0: Hey, what's up, everyone? It is Pastor Marcus here from the StoryChurchProject.com. Welcome to the Story Church Project podcast, where our focus is how to redesign the local Adventist church to tell its story loud to a culture that is no longer listening. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. Back for another episode of the podcast. Today, I want to talk about uh, why we need to change our message, not just our method. Now, that's a really tantalizing title. And uh, <laughs> I think it's because most of us have probably heard the saying a thousand times when it comes to adaptation in the church that we're supposed to change the method, but not the message. Um, which basically means that, you know, there's things as Christians that we cannot change, like the Bible and what it says is unchanging. And then there's things that we can change, uh, like the way that we deliver that message. Obviously, it adapts over time in different cultures, etc. Now, one of the challenges is that, um, that, that church leaders face is that oftentimes when we're trying to change the method, we get accused of trying to change the message. Um, For example, recently I published an article where uh, I suggested that um, in order to reach a different class of people, it might be good to have Sabbath services that didn't simply, you know, didn't meet at 11 a.m. They met at a different time. And and some people commented um, basically saying that I was trying to change the Sabbath, (laughs) Uh, which is not what I was trying to do at all. Uh, I was not even addressing the theology of the Sabbath. I was just talking about, you know, the the method, and there's nothing particularly sacred or extra sacred about 11 a.m., as opposed to, say, a service at 3 p.m. that might reach people in, in a different context a, a little better. Um, and so, obviously, I appealed to that same line of reasoning. Guys, we, we're, we we don't change the message, but it's it's the method that I'm talking about here. And, and to be honest, I do still believe that that's the way to go. But... In recent months, I have been sort of wrestling with this idea a little bit. And I think I've arrived at a slightly more nuanced picture uh, of this whole thing. And so while while I believe the message of the Bible is timeless and changeless, there is a sense, and that's what I want to talk about today, there is a sense in which I do believe we need to change our message. Now, before you freak out, uh, let me just go ahead and say, I, I don't have any tantalizing heresies to bring to the table today. So, um, you know, just keep listening and um, you, don't, you don't have to <laughs> worry too much. So let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. Uh, during the last month, I've noticed on my social media, Instagram, Facebook, um, I've noticed some of the um, Adventist pages that I follow, have been consistently publishing this message, and this is Adventist Pages and people, right? They've been consistently publishing this message, whether memes or quotes, it's usually different, but the basic same message. And is this the seventh day is the Sabbath, not Sunday. And that's the message that I've been seeing. And I've seen it a few times enough that <coughs> excuse me, it um it prompted this episode. Um Now, here's the thing. Of course, I agree that the seventh day is a Sabbath, not Sunday. That that was true yesterday. It's true today. It's going to be true tomorrow. Here's what troubles me, though. Um, This message, true as it is, is utterly meaningless in today's post-Christian culture. Now, I might have just horrendously offended someone and... At the same time, there's somebody sitting in their car or whatever, yelling, Yes, yes! That's what I've been thinking. (laughs) Uh, So let me explain myself. Um, When Adventists first proclaimed the Sabbath message, it's important to understand context because the majority of our listeners were mostly Protestants. Protestants with a very high regard for Scripture and the Ten Commandments. All right, If you ever thought that Adventists are the only Protestants who think highly of the Ten Commandments, Um, you don't know Protestant theology well enough, all right? Adventists are far from the only ones who have a high regard for the Ten Commandments. All classical Protestants have a high regard for the Ten Commandments, and that was the vast majority of our audience. Um, They had a very high regard for the Ten Commandments, and as a result, many of them already kept the first day, which is Sunday, but they kept it as a Sabbath, and they treated it very seriously. So the message... That the biblical Sabbath was not on the first day, but on the seventh, and, and rooted in a continued protest of papal oppression, it had value. in our listeners, uh, most of who, again, were already Sabbatarians, as they called themselves, right? they were Sabbath keepers, um, they found relevance in it because it spoke to an active part of their already active faith life. They were already keeping the Sabbath. They were just doing it on Sunday. So Adventist comes around and says, hey, you know, it's, it's actually this day, and let me explain to you why that matters. It, it had meaning. But today, we no longer live in a world where the vast majority of people are Christian. Instead, we live in an increasingly post-Christian society, which means, let me be honest here, let me be frank, let me be, you know, as cold as I can be. Um, no one gives two hoots about whether the Sabbath is on Sunday or Saturday. Okay. Now, you might have some neighbors who are Christians who still find value in that, but I'm talking about the broader culture here, right? Nobody cares. The entire conversation to them is a non-issue at best and a colossal waste of time at worst. So, while the Sabbath is on Saturday, message may have had meaning to Western culture back in the day that already kept some form of a Sabbath. It's meaningless to a culture that never even heard of sabbath the vast majority of our post-christian society has never even set foot inside a church or opened the bible uh, in fact and i still remember years ago when i was working um and I, and I met this doctor you know typical secular australian doctor and i told him oh i'm not going to be here much longer because i'm going to be a pastor and he looked me right in the eye and he said what's that he didn't even know what a pastor was that's what we're dealing with right and so so here's the thing when i see present-day Adventists on social media constantly pushing this message. Sabbath is Saturday, not Sunday, over and over again. My, my immediate question is this. Who in the world are you talking to? Uh, are you talking to our increasingly secular society? Because if you are, they have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, are you talking to emerging post-truth, post-church, metamodern generations? Because if you are, they hardly even know who Jesus is apart from using his name as a swear word, right? let alone what day the Sabbath is. So here's the real problem. The real problem is that there's too many Adventists who have zero contact with anyone outside of Adventism. And so what happens in these scenarios is that we end up talking to ourselves about ourselves until we're full of ourselves. And the whole time, we have no idea what people out there are really, truly in need of. And so this is why I say we need to change our message because what we're saying is not connecting at all. Now, of course, let me, let me, let me, now, <laughs> let me now throw in my qualification, my disclaimer. I'm not suggesting that we pull some sort of emergent church relativist spin on the Bible, right? Uh, and, and completely alter the narrative of scripture to placate some sort of postmodern sensibility. That's not my vibe. That's not my style. That's not my jam. What I'm saying is that the message we proclaim... While it, ha- while it must come from the Bible, it must also be meaningful to the people who hear it. And sadly, most of the topics that I have heard Adventists get all riled up over, things like the change of the Sabbath, the secret rapture, speaking in tongues, the human nature of Christ, stuff like that, right? Um, they are things that few people outside of our own faith community have any interest in whatsoever. So, so while the message of the Bible is changeless, there are parts of that message that need to be emphasized at different points in history. We emphasize some parts of that message and, 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 and they're relevant to our listeners at certain points in history. And then at other points in history, they're, they're not that relevant. So it's not that we stop talking about them. It's that they just, they're, they're no longer our emphasis. This is what the idea of present truth is. Because if we don't do that, let me be really frank here and tell you, nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. Now... If you don't believe me i want you to take a look at jesus for a moment all right because i understand that this is a, sort of a tough tough topic so let me let me just go to jesus um and and i hope that by the end this this makes sense um christians love preaching the gospel and amen for that i love preaching the, i'm a gospel preacher that's that's my thing um but we love preaching the gospel using this phrase you must be born again that's sort of become like the staple of the gospel presentation but do you realize that Jesus only ever used that phrase one time and he never used it again in any of the recorded Gospels that we have. And when he used that phrase, he was speaking to a Jew who believed that his natural birth as a descendant of Abraham automatically qualified him for heaven. And Jesus' message to him is, no, that doesn't automatically qualify you for heaven. If you want to enter heaven, you need to be born again. But when we get to the next chapter, this is in John chapter 3, right? When we get to John chapter 4, Jesus preaches the gospel to this woman at the well, and He didn't say anything about being born again. Instead, He tells her, He is the living water, and whoever drinks from Him will never thirst again. That's John 4. Now you get to John 5. Jesus preaches the gospel again. He heals this paralytic man, and He doesn't say anything about living water and he doesn't say anything about being born again and instead he says to the guy something that i would never say to one of my bible study contacts he says to him go and sin no more or something worse might happen to you and in the same chapter when he preaches the gospel to the pharisees he says this to them he says i am the true source of life you refuse to come to me that you might have life that's john chapter 5 so in other words here's my point he preached the same message but it was also a different message to different audiences the foundation was the same but the emphasis was different to one he emphasized rebirth to another he emphasized satisfaction to another he gave a pretty star, you know stern warning and, and to another, he presented himself as the true source of life. And we see this pattern of preaching the same foundational message in diverse ways all throughout the Bible. So for example salvation is presented as adoption in one place and as reconciliation in another and then in another we see salvation spoken of as forgiveness using this metaphor of a debtor and, and 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 someone in debt and 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 we see Jesus you know presented to the Greeks on Mars Hill as the unknown god and and yet again we see Jesus presented as the recapitulation from the first Adam to the second Adam and And so here's my point. The narrative of Scripture is changeless, but the message that we extrapolate from it and present to the culture has to change over time the same as our method. And the Bible actually gives us the tools to do that because it never presents the same message the same exact way. It presents it in a diversity of ways that we can then pull from and and, and be able to connect the same truth to an audience that would not listen to the way in which we presented it to the audience in the past. That came out really bad, but I think you got my point. And so let me go back to this example of the Sabbath. Because today, the world still needs to hear about the Sabbath. But it needs to be presented. Here's my point. It needs to be presented from a different biblical angle to what our pioneers found meaningful. And so what I found is that presenting the Sabbath in terms of, and I'll go into this a little bit more in, in, a, in a few minutes, but in terms of anti-consumerism, in terms of social justice, in terms of equality, as some examples, um, it connects much more effectively with present generations than presenting the Sabbath as, it was changed from Saturday to Sunday, and we must keep it. And, you know, like, nobody cares. It just, it just flies right over their heads. Now, I'm still preaching the Sabbath, and I'm still talking about the beauty and the depth of the Sabbath. I'm just doing it using other tools that the bible gives me to present it in a way that makes sense to present generations and here's the thing that i discovered um i've yet to study the sabbath with a secular person who then turns around and says to me well what day is it actually on most of the time in my experience they see it in the bible they like it they move on the argument over what day it is doesn't really doesn't really register now let me let me be clear um because i've talked about the sabbath quite a bit this 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 podcast isn't actually about the sabbath and how we should present the sabbath all right so please don't get hung up on that Um, i'm only using the sabbath to illustrate the larger point that it's not just our method that needs to adapt to diverse times and cultures but our message are as well and and while the foundation of what we believe and teach will never and must never change As our understanding grows, as God reveals more, as language evolves, and as time and cultural trends shift, we have to be prepared to adapt our message as well in order to speak that same truth, that present truth, into the hearts and minds of listeners in a way that will actually capture their attention and lead them to Jesus. So let me wrap things up here um, by giving you guys a few examples, right? Here's some basic examples of how I preach the same foundational message while preaching a different message at the same time. All right. Um, Sabbath. I've already spoken about that at length, but let me give a little bit more. Um, so when I speak to post-Christians, I-, I present the Sabbath in the framework of the old testament minor prophets whose emphasis on social justice and you know taking care of the widows and the poor and the orphans and you know that that's sort of this overall theme that is encapsulated in the sabbath and we see that in the commandment as well it's the great equalizer of humanity and even animals They, they had they had rights as well um so this really connects because emerging generations now are actually looking at things like animal rights and equality um and uh you know Problems like human trafficking and things like that uh, are on their consciousness and so when they see the Sabbath speaking into that it's it's meaningful for them and also the increasing popularity of these holistic lifestyles um, it it makes for a really simple inroad to talk about the Sabbath. because it's part of that holistic lifestyle. Now, here's the point. If you talk about the Sabbath in strictly religious terms using Adventist jargon and Adventist arguments and, you know, you're just thinking like an Adventist, you're going to lose them. But if you manage to present the same exact biblical theme, this biblical truth to them, but the message is, is coached in or, or, or framed differently... Then, then you'll have their attention. So let me give you another example, the pre aven judgment, right? The book of Daniel has this overarching theme that is very anti-empire. And that's a sentiment that I found many, many millennials gel with. Being a millennial myself, um, I definitely gel with that. And and the investigative judgment, it culminates as the beginning of the end of all human empires, including the institution of the church. So this is the beginning of the end of oppression, of coercion, of injustice. And you can just lump you know, any sort of you know social cause in there and it, and, it, and it really connects because what we're seeing is that since 1844 we're in the final phase where God is now bringing an end to oppressive empire and this is a theme we see in Daniel and it's definitely a theme that connects today so rather than talking about the investigative judgment in some sort of religious sense um, and look I know a lot of people have like misapplied this over the years as well and they take it and they turn it into uh you gotta be perfect which is you know heresy through and through anyways but the point is i stay away from that because it just it doesn't connect it's it's meaningless right what what i'm talking about is not you know my personal salvation because even the narrative of scripture isn't about my personal salvation it's about god's character uh and so i emphasize on that and the pre aven judgment just you know is super relevant when you look at it in terms of the you know the final sort of death knell on empire. Uh it's pretty cool. So the gospel, the gospel, right? The the idea here's something I found guys and it's it's really interesting. The idea that Jesus uh that in Jesus all our sins can be forgiven and we get this free ticket to heaven. Uh, I found doesn't connect very well with post-Christians because they have a high regard for justice that then goes unsatisfied. So um on top of that, this generation has witnessed a church culture that sings these cheesy songs about how forgiven it is, while simultaneously mishandling at best and perpetuating at worst abuse, rape, male dominance, and mistreatment of the LGBTQ community. So this culture is actually less interested in how forgiven it can get to squeeze into heaven. They want to know that God's justice is just. So when I talk about the gospel it's it's not just about saying you can be forgiven you can walk out of this place and know that your sins are forgiven like that's cool but that's not it, it doesn't fully connect because what they want to know is that justice is is still being met because that's what they're really passionate about um, this just society and so when I talk about the gospel I present it as a dynamic progressive restoration to god's original love design of creation so rather than this uh i'm so bad but jesus is so good he gives me a free ride to heaven um narrative uh what i do is i present it as you know like yeah we are sinful we are broken we are messed up we need grace and 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 but that grace, what it does is it progressively restores us to God's original design because He's reestablishing His kingdom on earth, and He wants to fill it with people who love justice and who love mercy and who love to walk humbly um, with God. And so I find that connects a whole lot more. Now, no, no, don't misunderstand me, all right? This does not mean that I deny the beauty and truth of justification by faith alone, right? By grace through faith. No way. That that's like a non-negotiable. Um, all I'm saying is, um careful to present the gospel in a more holistic way you know rather than just talking about my personal forgiveness and my personal assurance there's a much bigger picture uh older generations i find were like really hypersensitive about personal assurance whereas emerging generations they want to see the bigger picture end time events for adventists end time events they tend to revolve around the pope and that's basically it um now look i'm not denying that but here's the thing for the culture today the pope is a foreign figure while Luther lived in a society, for example, that was perpetually conscious of the church and its influence over pretty much just about everything in life. Today, the culture is by and large unconscious of the Roman church. Uh, now, it has gained popularity. Yes, I admit that. But most people, especially post-Christian people, are very unconscious uh, about the Roman church. So if your entire prophetic narrative is about the Roman church, like that's the central character, it's so boring because who are, you know, it's... It, I, it has no connection to my everyday life. Uh, so, so what I found is though the same theme of justice really helps to present the same message. I'm not getting rid of that you know, prophetic centrality um not centrality but prophetic sort of theme of of of, of the uh, you know the church and, and and what it's done but again looking at the 1260 days uh, and looking at the oppression of empire and including the church and this violation of human rights violation of conscience um from there i can jump into revelation under the same theme of injustice and and we talk about the empire of rome and really the empire uh, all empires and all religious systems that are oppressive at their core um, that will launch and and, and and really culminate in the greatest humanitarian crisis the world has ever seen. That's what really what we're heading at. Uh, and so again, same message but I'm presenting it in, in different in a different way. So it's it's almost a different message even though it's still rooted in the same message, if that makes sense um and even the remnant church you know i talk about the remnant church as this rebellious underground movement of anti-conformists who protest in favor of god's kingdom of love equity and justice now before you sit there thinking oh marcus all you've done is added a bunch of buzzwords to um to 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 these doctrines to make them you know to make them more palatable, that's not actually the case at all. Obviously, I'm I'm doing a quick summary here, so it might come across that way. But this has taken a lot of conversations and a lot of investigation and a lot of looking at, you know, what are you know what are post-Christians and millennials and post-moderns, Like, what are they really, really thinking and what are they really asking? And what I'm saying here is uh, I'm presenting simply how I present these doctrines when i do present them but they're not even the heartbeat apart from the gospel like they're not even the heartbeat of what i'm you know engaging at them with because their questions revolve around so many other things um let me me touch on this last one though state of the dead now this is one that i found you you know i haven't had to really um rethink too much because you know, if you read the book for example, Meet Generation Z, it talks about it quite a bit um, in the appendix as well. Appendix B I believe it is. Um, that you know this generation is actually quite fascinated with the supernatural and you know the metaphysical. So this whole idea of the human soul and you know, with the popularity of New Age and Buddhism and, and, and these ideologies and stuff, um, it's, not, it's not a difficult one to connect people with. Uh, but what I've also found is because the study of the state of the dead really what it does is it touches on the original design for human consciousness. Um, and for human existence and so that opens the door to conversation on on god's original design as it relates to gay marriage to transgender rights to gender fluidity all those different things because they're all part of you know uh, those conversations those questions all boil back to the design pattern you know how god designed reality to operate. Um, so look, these are just some examples, and and I think I've made my point pretty clear. It's, it's not just our method that needs to change, guys. It's not just that, you know, the Sabbath is, you know, again, just you borrow that easy it's an easy example which is why i use it it's not just that oh the sabbath is saturday not sunday and we used to preach it you know with black and white flyers and now we're going to preach the same message with colorful ones that's not the point you know it's not just the method that we're changing it's the message itself we need to stick to the message of scripture but look at the many ways in which scripture presents the sabbath and say well which of these many ways that scripture presents the sabbath will connect the most effectively with with the value structure of today's generation and we do that with all of our beliefs and and really fundamentally guys that is what present truth is it's god speaking present truth to different generations in in, in different geographical locations at different times there's different things that he wants to communicate to them and we don't have to just keep you know repeating like parrots the same thing we were saying a hundred years ago even though no one cares we can go back to the Bible, it's rich, it's full, and say, how else does the Bible present the Sabbath? Oh, boom, 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 there's so many different ways. How else does it present the gospel? Boom, 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 there's so many different ways. Let's capitalize on some of these that really mesh with today's value structure and today's culture and present it that way because that's what's going to connect the most with them. And uh, and that's my encouragement to you, whether you're a pastor, whether you're an elder, a writer, a blogger, whatever it is that you might do, don't just change your method, change the message as well. Not the foundational message, but the contemporary proclamation that you're bringing to the the culture.